This is an OSV Podcasts production. To learn more about OSV Podcast Network, visit osvpodcasts.com. The National Catholic Educational Association 2023 Convention is coming up soon. All Catholic school educators, administrators, and leaders are welcome to join us in Dallas, Irvin, Texas on April 11th to the 13th, 2023. NCA 2023 has it all with professional development sessions, liturgies, and special events. And now, on to our episode. Peace and blessings. Welcome back to the Revive podcast. And has it ever happened that you go into church and you see some women and you just don't know what you're supposed to do and what they have on their heads? Let's talk about it right here. Brothers and sisters, welcome back to the Revive Podcast. I'm your host, Father Agostino Torres, and with my co-host here... Solange. Welcome, Solange. How are you doing? I am doing amazing. Thank you for asking. And we have a very special guest today, Father. We have Father Patrick O.P. Dominican in the house. Father Patrick is going to be with... How are you doing, Father Patrick? I'm doing great. Thanks. Great to be with you today here in St. Louis, Missouri at the Aquinas Institute of Theology, the Dominican School of Theology. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Uh, not going to lie, slightly intimidated by that, Father. You know, it's just like, you know, uh, I, I, I did read Aquinas in seminary and I, I still read him occasionally. Just, Thank just, you I, to God. I, you know, just want to let you know that as a Franciscan, I just want to let you know that. Well, now I feel and better. As a Franciscan, you know, we only, in our ordo, which is our ca- our calendar for our all of our holy days, we only call two people Holy Father. Our Holy Father Dominic, of course, and our Holy Father Francis. So hey. we very much consider nice. you brothers, uh, our mendicant brother friars. Absolutely. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, the Dominicans and the Franciscans were founded more or less around the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominicans are our older brothers, uh, but there's always been kind of like this little beautiful sibling rivalry. I think mm. the Dominicans basically win every time, but anyway, so that doesn't stop the Franciscans. <laughs> That's another about that. <laughs> No, many, many um, uh, beautiful things have been given to the church through uh, our orders. What a, what a blessing, yeah. Father, that we get to, we wear the habit of many saints who have gone before us. Huh? Um, we're, so. You know, yes. I was just, one of our, I, I live with all of our student brothers, which we call seminarians, but I've heard this joke many, many times, and they what this brother had just heard it for the first time. A student brother he says, "If you see two priests walking down the street, you know which ones are which ones are uh, 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 diocesan priests and which ones religious priests, because the diocesan priests will be talking about money, and the the religious priests will be talking about food." No, <laughs> um, I think that's pretty accurate, that's actually. <laughs> I talk wow. about food all the time, all the time. That is yeah. true. That is I, that's so, what we're about. I mean, we're about many different things, but food. So, food is a um, thing. for I'm sure many people know this, but the uh, every religious order. So, religious orders, just in case, um, there's groups of men and women that have been called by the Holy Spirit 
to follow God in a particular way. It's a little bit like, you know, like a specialization, I guess, you know. And um and Dominicans, they have as their each each religious order has like this, these like little letters that that go be after their name. <laughs> and Dominicans is OP, which stands for Order of Preachers, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're they're Saint Dominic, uh, you know, knew that preaching and dynamic preaching and well-formed preaching was so important, is so important. And so this is the order of preachers. Um, and so the uh, the the Dominicans were always known as their for their preaching. Um, and there was always kind of a joke that we used to say is that there's two things that that uh, that God doesn't know. It's like how many Franciscan orders there really are, and what exactly a Dominican is going to preach on on any given Sunday because it's ah. it's always kind of keeping us guessing. Mm-hmm. These are kind of like inside jokes with between Franciscans and Dominicans. If if you kind of like, you know, laughed, you know, under your breath, you consider yourself one of the cool kids. I heard there was a third one, and it's how much money the Jesuits have. Oh! <laughs> well, that's a good, well, you know, we'll, we'll, the, the, the world may never know. <laughs> the rivalry between the Dominicans and the Franciscans. It's interesting to see them together. Whenever I... I I have that moment. I just really like just stay there and see what's going to happen. Um, but it's fun. It's cool. Well, well, Solange, you're Dominican as well, right? I'm Dominican. So, yeah. You are? <laughs> I'm a Dominican sister. Oh. <laughs> Solange from the Dominican uh, Father Republic. Father Patrick is like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm from the Dominican Republic. So, you uh, know, and the sisterhood, of course. Yeah, and yes. my sisters and, you know, my brothers and sisters in Christ. But I used to get confused. I used to hear and I was like, wow, the Dominican brothers, the Dominican sisters, you know, but I wasn't understanding that it was an order. And then I was like, okay, got well, it. You know, in, in Mexico, at least, they have a, a way of making that distinction because it's in, the people are, that are from the, uh, from the Dominican Republic are, mm-hmm. are called Dominicanos. Exactly. The, the friars are called Dominicos. So, Dominicos. Yeah. So my mom yeah. would tell me, remember, Dominicos, Dominicas. Yeah. So that's the difference, not Dominicana, right. Dominicano. But, you know, I still, you know, I, I still uh, go with the flow with that. I'm like, oh, yeah. Well, your, your country was named after St. Dominic because it was founded on the feast day of St. Dominic. So well, there we you had, go. We had some Dominican friars on the boat there and they made sure that the, the, the patronage was taken care of. Nice. nice. And there's a there's a statue of a Dominican friar in, in a Dominican Republic in, in the um, in the capital. And this is Friar Montesinos. Montesinos nice. was a Dominican friar. So some people say that that because of the way he preached, that's when the Americas began. Uh, mm. Quick story, real quick. Okay, so like during colonialism, there's a lot of stuff that was wrong that was happening. There's a lot of stuff that was also good that was happening, mostly from the Catholic Church, mostly a lot of it from the Dominican order yes. and the Franciscan order. Mm-hmm. And so this this one Dominican priest, an incredible preacher, Friar Montesinos, he was seeing what was going on in the Dominican Republic and saying, this is wrong. We need to preach against this. And they call it the Grito de Montesinos. Mm-hmm. And he told the people, you guys are in mortal sin. You guys have these slaves. You're treating them like you. And they're humans. And and so this is like a lot of people say like oh the church was all into colonialism the church was speaking up against slavery and mm-hmm. against the abuses and colonialism from the get and a lot of people don't know that right Father Patrick mm-hmm. yeah 
And when they they came to the the the, uh, the convent of the Dominicans and they wanted them they wanted them to silence uh, Fray uh, Montesinos, and they said we will not do that. He's he preaches for all of us. And it's also thought that the the, the work of, of Father uh, Montesinos was really the beginning of international law, um, and that the the, the courageous uh, stand that he took was important, as you said. You know. It, it, I know we get a bad rap a lot of times. Some of it's justified, but uh, some of it, the, some of the very important stuff is forgotten too. Mm-hmm. I have a whole talk mm-hmm. on that, Father Patrick. I go through all the different <laughs> yeah. documents that the church released, you know, from even from the, the 15th, early 15th century uh, when some slavery was happening in the Canary Islands. You know, there's a lot of misinformation yeah. uh, that's, that's, that's out there about those subjects. Um, and I would, I would dare say, you know, like sometimes we listen to certain people that, that might seem credible, but it's not that hard to kind of like, you know, dig in a little bit and, mm-hmm. and, and, and inform yourself uh, to, to kind of get the whole story. And I think sometimes that's what happens today. It's like, you know, we mm-hmm. kind of just like get our, our, our information from one, mm-hmm. maybe two mm-hmm. sources and we think it's like gospel revealed truth, yeah. and mm, yeah, it's, that's um, there's some problems there. Yeah, and of course that goes to our topic today as well. Absolutely, hey. Father Patrick. Oh, nice one. That is called a transition. <laughs> yeah. So that's how we um, do that. Our 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 topic today is like so so some background. So we like put feelers out and like asked people, like, what are people really asking about the Eucharist? Like, what are the questions that people really have? One of my pet peeves is sometimes we answer questions that nobody's asking. And one of the questions that came up was this whole thing about veils, mm. uh, chapel veils, women wearing veils. There's some people who say that like, you know, back in the day it was... It, this is like it was it was required we need to go back to that other people are just like what what are you talking about like you know what is mm-hmm. going on why are we doing this there's, so there's a lot of stuff out there and so um uh i know i know solange has been a part of some of these conversations with some of her people yes. um and uh, and we have father patrick here to kind of like you know kind of bring us into into a deeper understanding of what's really going on a veiled yeah, we just want that we want the breakdown the breakdown for it all but before we do that we would like to know father patrick what is your revive to keep it alive we asked this to our guests so we are wondering what is that for you what is it that um yeah what is that revive for you i am uh, late vocation or delayed vocation or second vocation. I like, I prefer mature vocation. Actually, mm. I, I, I've only been a priest. I've been a Dominican. It's 20 years this year. I was ordained a priest in, in 2008. So I had a, a long career in, in other areas, uh, in particular area prior to my uh, hearing. Finally, I, I think God called me three times and finally I, picked up the phone. And said, Three is okay, a good number. I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was ordained, I have, it was, you know, the, <clears throat> we have uh, various uh, uh, traditions in the church and the Holy Father will declare a, a year of mercy, a, a year of, uh, mm-hmm. of uh, the priest. Uh, uh, and, and, when I was, the year I was ordained, it was the year of the priest. And I was reading uh, 
the biography of, of Fulton Sheen, Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Mm. And he talked about how he did a holy hour every day when he was a priest. And I thought to myself, you know, that's what I'm going to do for my first year. From the beginning, from the day I'm ordained, for my, for my year, which is going, my first year of ordination, which is going to coincide with my first year as a priest, I'm going to, I'm going to do a, a holy hour every day. And I thought it was going to be a, a, a challenge. Uh, and it very quickly became something that really energized me for the day. And I, I, I do it early in the day, and it took a while to get my staff to understand that I was in the chapel and I was actually doing something mm -hmm. and that they couldn't come in and say, oh, Father, you know, he's not doing anything. Let's go and bother him. No interruptions. Whatever. And I said, even, and I said, I'm serious about this. If the bishop calls, you tell the bishop that his priest is in the chapel praying. And I know what the bishop is going to say. He's going to say, let, the, let him, let Father pray. Awesome. So I started to do that. And by the end of the year, I was so energized by that experience of Eucharistic, you know, in my holy hour in the chapel before the before the tabernacle, that I've continued to do it. Uh, it's it's, you know, I I I I, I and I the, the rare times, and I'm honest honest to goodness, if there's 365 days in the year, mm -hmm. maybe 360 days is is about. Maybe I'll miss wow. five days, and then I maybe try to to catch up a little bit, but I, I'm very faithful to it. I Now I have it on my calendar because I think it is so important for my, you know, I, it, it doesn't matter for other people. Whatever you do to, to nourish yourself is fine. It doesn't have to be a holy hour for me. Mm -hmm. Thanks be to God. I, I, I received that, that gift early on in my, my, my time as a priest and I continue it uh, to this day. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, the fact that you put um, all that effort, all that love into making sure that it wasn't something just during that time that you've continued um, to go on with it. And and it does make a difference. It truly does. Mm -hmm. I mean, many go, go into the chapel and they can truly be praying. Others may have a moment. I mean, we can talk about that. That could be another episode. Sometimes it happens. Yeah. Sometimes we just like knock out for a quick bit, you know, but the Lord knows it's with mm -hmm. him, you know. But what I'm saying is, it's just being very intentional and having mm -hmm. that moment with Christ and saying, here I am. Well, you, you know, know so. Uh, so Angie, and Father Augustino mentioned St. Thomas Aquinas. And, you know, he, he wrote on everything. <laughs> There's really very little that you could, some question that might come up that he didn't write on. And one of the things he wrote on was falling asleep in front of the tabernacle. Preach so it, Father. Let me hear this. Let me hear this. I mean, I said, we could, and we could they'll, go into they'll it. confess, I fell asleep when I, I said, hey, you know what? That's okay. St. Thomas okay. Aquinas said it was okay. Yes. Uh, I, I need that citation, Father. <laughs> okay, um, I'll get we you. We need it's, that. It's somewhere yes. in the Summa. <laughs> All right, great. I'll find it. And I also and I also read one time that Pope John Saint Pope John Pope Saint John Paul II would write his homilies while he was in while he was doing his mm. holy hour. And so I tell students sometimes, you know, if you want to go in in the chapel and study, that's okay. Awesome. That's okay. You just 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 think about this. What what do you think your father would say to you? Your your father here on earth, if you said, Dad. I want. I have some studying to do. Do you mind if I sat right next to you because mm. I feel 
really safe being with you. And I, I feel it's a place where I can really enter in my, to my studies in a very, very special way if I can sit right next to you. What father would say, oh, no, forget it. <laughs> Go to your room. Right. No. Well, our Father in Heaven, of course, understands it much better. So whether you, you know, you, you can, of course, I go in and pray, but sometimes I'm it can happen. Sometimes I'm, maybe maybe God wants me to, to, to doze off a little bit. You know, That's I mean, right. Even Jesus rested. I mean, you know, so it's okay for us to have that moment. And again, we're there in front of him. So he knows that. And speaking about what we know, what he knows, uh, what do y'all know? Father Patrick and Father Agustino, when it comes to what we mentioned previously, which is this wearing of veils, right? Uh, like, let's just talk about it. Like, why? Okay, when did this start? When when did the veil wearing start? Or I don't know if there's a, a, a specific name for that. That is not what I just said. And why do some women wear these veils to mass? Especially, I see it in Latin mass. Well, can I ask you a question first, Solange? See. Si. So, um, what 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 do you think people like? What are people saying? Like, so there's some people that are obviously for it, and there's others other people mm -hmm. that that don't wear those. Like, what are kind of like? What's like the pulse on the street? Que lo que dice la gente. Que what are the people exactly. saying <laughs> out there? Well, what they're saying out there is that. Um, that moment I'm saying they, and it's really me. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying. Um, I mean, men, like I see many women being um, inspired, seeing the other women wearing them, but saying, can I? Should I? Do I have what it takes? Like, how do I, you know, what is the process? Do I have to do a certain prayer? Do I have to talk to someone in order to um, have, you know, have one on, on in mass? So I think those are the things, like not knowing. For example, I I got a veil, my first veil. Shout out to Bianca. Bianca from Casa had given me my first veil. I had just said how pretty it was and how I wanted to start wearing one. And I said, I'm not sure, like, how to go about it, really. But I know that at least let me have, you know, once I have the veil, then I'll I'll see how it how it goes. But um, but yeah, it's like all these things run through our mind, like. I don't want to say, like, am I worthy of? But I know there has to be, like, another type of way to express that. But, wow, like, I look so holy as I'm here with my veil on in Mass. And when can I do this? Like, do I come into church with it on already? Do I put it on when I'm there? Like, I don't know the protocol. You know what I mean? So I think these are the concerns. These are the things, like, people come up to me, like the youth, the young adults, um, even older women saying, Okay, so when do I put it on? How do I go about it? So I think that's what it is. Just like a rundown of when did this all start? How do we go about it? And just like not worry or stress about it. Um, so we can do it. Like, why not? Yeah. Well, it's something that has been uh, part of our faith tradition since before we were called Christians because it, it is something that you can see in ancient art that Jews uh, would wear veils, both men and women. Uh, St. Paul speaks about it, but I think we have to be careful 
when we go to St. Paul in, in his first letter to the Corinthians, in anything in Scripture, to, to, because we're, we're Catholics. You know, we, we, we're not sola scriptura. We're, you know, we, we, we look for nuances. We look for the, what, what in the Holy Bible is literature and what is, what is things that we can take literally. What was the context of the, of the, of the, of the situation in Corinth at the time that he was talking about. Was it was it really talking about hair length or is he talking about mm -hmm. something something other? So I, I, I think that there is uh, a, a care that we always have to take in following scripture that our church gives us guidance. So beginning in the Middle Ages, there were there were very there were very specific instructions uh, and guidance about wearing the veil for women, not for men. Um, and that continued uh, until you know, fairly recent times. There, there was, there was you know, there's, there's confusion, I think, about what, what the church says about the, the, uh, the, the, the practice now. And it's not confusion from the church. It's, I think, confusion mm. from people who are well, I'm going to say they're well-meaning. I don't think people are, have any ill intentions. But and, and when when Pope John Paul II rewrote the canon law and it was issued in 1983, all of the previous canon law was was replaced by the canon law in 1983. The Code of Canon Law 1917 specifically talked about women wearing veils. The the Code of Canon Law mm -hmm. 1983 doesn't say anything, so it doesn't exist anymore. And I think that's what's confusing. Some people say that that right. law. That canon law nineteen from nineteen seventeen still is still is stand. It does not. Everything was eliminated and replaced by the canon mm. law nineteen eighty three by Pope John Paul II. So it's mute on the subject, right. and it's very important. But it doesn't say that up until then it said women had to wear veils. Now it doesn't say anything. Women, mm -hmm. of course, women can wear veils, and it's uh, like other traditions. I think that the the church opted out, uh, opted into suggesting something that's a, a long tradition of the church, which we call subsidiarity. Subsidiarity governs a Catholic social justice teaching. It governs all sorts of things. And it says, what, what is the most basic unit that can make this decision? Is it something that can be done in the family? Then that's the best thing to do. If it's something that can be done in the local parish, then, then do that. If it's something that it's, you can uh, depend on the, the diocese or the archdiocese, then do that. And then some things require a statement from the entire church. So what the church and, and, and Pope St. John, uh, uh, um, Pope John Paul II said is in this, in, so, in many respects, we have to let cultures, the, the, the cultures mm -hmm. of Africa and South America and the United States are very different. And to some of those cultures, wearing something on the head would be very repulsive. Mm. And others that said, yes, no, we, we, that's something that we should do. So leave it up to the local church, leave it up to your mm -hmm. pastor or your bishop to make those sorts of situations, make those sorts of decisions. Right, those callings. Yeah, again, I mean, where I would see it the most was when I would attend Latin Mass. And it's just so beautiful because the veiling is also traditionally a sign of reverence, right? An acknowledgement of the sacred. And um, I think that's why 
again, some women see it it's so beautiful. They want one, but they're not sure uh, what it entails. Like, do they have to do something? Do they have to tell someone like, hey, listen, I'm going to walk into the church wearing this veil? Or is it just something so it's a relationship between them and God? Um, so I think that's the confusion that sometimes we have. Like, yeah. um, when is the right time to to wear this veil? Would it be if only I'm at a Latin mass? Would it be at my, at my you know, every time I attend mass on Sundays at my parish? Um, so how would we see that? Uh, how would well, we I think we to- have to be careful that we don't become pharisaic about these things. Mm. So just what Jesus was, was spoke very clearly about, you're, you're crushing my people with all these rules. Mm. Love one another as I have loved you. So if someone wants to wear a, a, a veil... That's perfectly fine. I was mm-hmm. I was reading a story actually in preparation for our talk today about this woman who came from the evangelical tradition, and she showed a picture of her with her child her her girls. They all in the evangelical Christian tradition they all wore veils. Mm-hmm. She entered the Roman Catholic Church. She she went to to conversion. She decided not to wear a veil, and then she decided to wear a veil again, okay. and then she decided not to wear a veil because she saw it as being divisive and she didn't want that to mm-hmm. happen. So there's no rules with yeah, there's no right to, there's no right or wrong, I guess, in no, when no, I mean, or it doesn't have to yeah. That, that's correct. What what so uh, the friars, Father Augustino and I, we have um, now you can't see us on this in this podcast, but I have <laughs> I wear the, uh, my habit has a, a capoose. And on that capoose is a is is a hood. And when I'm at praying in the morning mm. in, in our chapel, if I don't want anybody to come and bother me, I put this hood up. And that's a sign I'm praying. Okay, that's a good in one. Way. Your translation and I alone. think that if women are wearing the veil for that reason, I think that's a very good and holy reason. Say, but I, Listen, I'm praying and I think that, you know, mm-hmm. I want to really want to, to respect my time with, with God. And I, if, it, if it's promoting prayer, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. No, Father was like, yeah, that's that's that sign. Like, just leave me alone right now in a very nice way. And I think that also brings me to I've heard people say, um, well, when the woman is wearing the veil, yeah, don't talk to her. Like, you you know, there should be a moment of silence. She shouldn't really be talking. She shouldn't be talking at mass. Like just having that. um that's still time. So is that? Oh, the but same we know that doesn't ha- happen, though. No, exactly. So I do yeah. see sometimes the women wearing the veils and they're still having some, you know, some chit chat. So I said, is that okay? So how do we see that? How do we? Well, I, I, I you know, go ahead, Father. Go ahead. Any of us, you know, when uh, when we see something, you know, the, the Jesuits, I have this saying. I don't know if it's the Jesuits actually that said it the first first time, but there's mostly in their in their the formation, they say, presume the good. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good saying. I'm always going to presume the good intentions of someone else. I can't see into, none of us can see into the hearts of other people. But I think the, the people that choose to wear a veil, they have to look into their own hearts and say, is this something that's bringing me closer into my relationship with God? If it's not, if I'm, if I have some other motive about it, then again, that's between you and God. Mm-hmm. But it, it, Everything that we do in in our spiritual journey hopefully is directed and centered on God. How is this bringing me closer to God? If it's not, if it's causing you know, your, your your anxiousness, then that maybe that's not a good thing for you. Maybe, maybe I can illustrate 
uh, and I, I don't think this is playing devil's advocate, but uh, mm. but uh, illustrating how it might not be leading you closer to God by talking about our habit. So Franciscans, we so we wear our habit, we wear it all the time, and um, and believe it or not, there could be vanity in poverty. Mm, you could be like, right. oh, I got all these patches on my habit. I'm so holy. Oh my gosh, you know, look at this other brother. He doesn't have any patches. Oh my gosh. It's just like, ah, you're obviously not living up to the standards of St. Francis like mm-hmm. I am. And so like, ah, anyway, well, I have patches and you don't. So I say that uh, obviously in jest, but um, let's be real. Mm-hmm. There's comparison, there's judgment. And if I could just speak to to women out there, if you're putting the veil on and you're judging people, you need conversion. Right. Like I'm with Father Patrick. I think it was beautiful. It's helping you to pray. Amen. Let's pray. Let's get into it. Let's let's um, but like sometimes it becomes about something other than, and that can happen in other mm-hmm. circumstances. That can happen, mm-hmm. you know, like as a priest, you know, sometimes um I'm sure Father Patrick doesn't do this, but sometimes you look at vestments and you're just like, oh, um, no, I'm not going to wear that vestment. Because <laughs> it's just like, uh, no, or somebody, that. you don't do that. Okay, good. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I'm just like, I would rather not wear that one. Um, but it's like the comparison, it's, it's not ultimately about that. Mm. Obviously details, when, when you're in love, details matter. And these details, when you're in love, it's like little ways that you're showing God that you love, but it's it can become about something else if we're not vigilant. And that goes for anything. But back to the veils, how beautiful it is that people, young people want to pray. How beautiful it is that, that words like reverence and wanting to be reverent, even in, in the way that you dress is is part of the conversation now and i think that's mm-hmm. that's awesome i think that's beautiful let's talk let's let's talk about how there's like this 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 uh surging desire to reflect reverence in even the way you're like walking into church yes yes i love that and i i also then think about the meaning behind the colors of the veils right um, since you mentioned like vanity, sometimes, you know, like, okay, should I get this color? Should I do this? Should I do that? It's, I don't even think, well, okay. So I'm going to ask this because I was going to say it, it shouldn't be about that. Right. But my question to both of you is I have seen that traditionally in the United States, married women will wear black or the darker colors and then unmarried women consecrated life will wear white or lighter colors. So, yeah. So what about that then? Is there like certain rules with that? Like maybe the ones that um, our widows should, you know, showcase themselves in that way versus the ones that are not? Well, certainly there's no rules about it. I mean, there was traditions that that was, those colors were uh, a symbol of uh, that you're unmarried state or married state. What well, didn't have to do with widow, widowhood. If you were married, you were wearing a darker veil. But those things don't, I think it would be uh, uh, complicating the, 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 the... It takes away. It takes away from the importance of it. What... 
um, that reverence that we're trying to have for what is sacred, right? Um, Especially when we're there in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I do like that as what you were mentioning, Father Patrick, about putting the hood on. Or I've seen Father Agustino do that as well. And it is a moment of whether you want to or not, like you you would even for myself, I'm silent, even being next to you looking like that. You know what I mean? So I feel when wearing the veil, it gives this um, um, impression of, okay, this person is trying to have this one-on-one with Christ. You know, I could hardly see her face right now. Yeah. And I know, again, we, we brought a vanity, but it does happen that people are like, okay, because I wanted to cover my hair this way. And then I wanted to match my outfit. And, you know, I'm not saying don't have style. Come on now. Come on. Now. I'm not saying you can't do that. But it shouldn't be about that. It sh- it, it really isn't. It's that connection, that relationship that we're trying to have with the Lord. And um, and people respecting that. People yeah. will also see that you're doing this and and uh, either be inspired or ask those questions. You know, I think uh, it, this is a, a rather telling uh, part, uh, in a good way, about Catholic traditions. I used to be a campus minister at Purdue University before I, I came to St. Louis. And I was there for about 14 years. And so I was very much involved in what was, you know, going on on campus, not just at Purdue University in Indiana, but, you know, everywhere. And I was reading this story about Muslim women. And they more, if they were coming to the United States for an education, they would, they mostly gravitate to Catholic schools, Catholic colleges and universities. Why? Mm-hmm. Because that they, they see in the Catholics the, that the men and women respect their traditions in ways that they're not that they don't see in a public institution, and it's because of the, we're in the hajib that they can be veiled and and attend to higher education. Which, of course, in a lot of Muslim schools, that's I mean, a lot of Muslim cultures that's prohibited that they would even get a higher education. But at least they feel respected. Mm-hmm. So I hope that in, you know in our church. That women, if they're being called to 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 take up a veil as a shine, sign of their, their prayerfulness or, or desire to go closer to God, then that's going to be respected as well uh, by their, their their brothers and sisters, uh, and that they enter into it like you know, Father Augustino was saying. You know, it's not it's not it's not about fashion. It's not about mm-hmm. trying to make some other statement. It's about how we're living out our faith and are we living it out in a way that's allowing us to deepen our our relationship with God. There's, there's some, I mean, it's a a little funny to me is like, you know, I'm not qualified to talk about fashion at all. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I wear the same thing every single day. Okay. Uh, So like I never use any mental energy in what I'm going to wear. Ponder that for two seconds. Isn't that awesome? You know, like you think about, think about how much time you would save and not worrying about what you're going to wear in a certain day. I need a (laughs) uniform. But uh, I think it's um, I think it's so beautiful, and I think that 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 it's okay to admit that, and not to feel that it's it's some sort of threat to women, or it's not some sort of attack, or it's not some sort of judgment that I feel I'm holy and you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, like I love Father Patrick, what you said. You know, we're presuming the good, and to presume the good of everyone as we go in, but to presume the good also of those who who choose to enter in. Uh, to the to the 
to church and they're not doing anything wrong. They're mm-hmm. they're in church. Hey, we should be celebrating this. I mean, like, hello, there's like people coming to church. But like to just like enter into it and not be bogged down by any rules to know that it's supposed to assist us to pray yes. and and to enter into prayer. So really, um, if, if we're talking about veils, we should be talking about prayer. You know, we should be talking about union with God. Right. We should be talking about like this is this is what this means. I do wear something exteriorly every day that's meant to help me pray. And so like I'm all for it. But like let's pray then. Let's 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 enter into that. Let's let's ask what what this is. I remember before I was a friar, like I wanted to be more intentional about what I did in church. And that was like that was like a a, a way for me to show you know, that, that I'm, I'm aware that Jesus is there. I'm mm-hmm. aware, which St. Thomas Aquinas said, you know, that that's what reverence is. You know, mm-hmm. reverence is being aware that Christ is present in the Mass, the Eucharist, the real presence is there. That's reverence. And so for me to enter into it, this is a couple of years ago now, like it helped me to do certain things. Like one thing, it's going to be another podcast. It's like, you know, the, the hour fast. You know, that's one thing that we're doing to enter into this. And so I, I think that, that this is the good that I see, mm-hmm. you know, of, of people uh, being intentional about that. I, I was mentioning to somebody that we were, this is the other extreme. Uh, <laughs> I'm warning Let's you now. I'm warning. So... I was I was talking to somebody about this podcast and talking what we're going to be talking about. And they said, oh, yeah, make sure you mention that, like, you know, you wear a veil, but you wear like short shorts. It's kind of like, you know, like, and I was like, oh, "Oh, yeah, they went there. I was like, like, "Okay." I mean, we're keeping we keep it real here, Father. We keep it real. Keep it real. Mm -hmm. I mean, but that is true, Father. Thank God you brought that up, too, because we mentioned uh, modesty and reverence. Right. But is that, I mean, okay, we're going to wear the veil, ladies, then everything else should also be in reverence to the Lord. And um, yeah, so don't do not do the shorts, like don't look like you're going to the park and then have the veil. I mean, if we see you from the waist up, maybe it looks great, but then we're like, wait, what happened? What happened? <laughs> For the record, that. I'll, I'll, I'll take anybody as they are. You, know, you yeah. want to come to Jesus, come to Jesus. But my point is, is that, you know, Let's also, let's, let's be intentional. When you're at that stage, mm-hmm. you know, St. Paul says, you know, uh, be patient with those whose faith is weak. If somebody is like, you know, just coming out from an addiction and they show up to church, like, you know, perhaps mm-hmm. not, you know, what, what some people would consider dressed modestly, like that's Jesus there. Mm-hmm. That, that person is, deserves our respect and our love. I think that sometimes that's what we don't talk about. You know, sometimes we need to be patient with those whose faith is weak, like scripture says, and walk with them instead of like this, this sort of, and if, if I'm, if I'm going too far, please, please hold me back. Um, but it's like, sometimes it's like this, it feels like a judgment zone. And mm-hmm. that's not, my understanding is that, that Jesus isn't calling us to that. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's right. Thank you, Father. Uh, thank you, Father Patrick and Father Agustino for going into that because this is what it's about. I mean, uh, truly answering these questions, these concerns that 
um, people have. And sometimes they're just so afraid to go ahead and ask. They feel like it's a dumb question. So they're like, no, I'm not going to ask the people that I should be asking because maybe they've never even heard this type of question. This doesn't make sense to them or, you know, they know it all. And I'm, you know, we can only do so much. We can Google, but hello, like we need to come to the source to those who can truly guide us. And we are here for that. We are here to uh, showcase love and to continue learning. Um, I am learning with Father Patrick and Father Agustino. And then I am learning from those who come to me with the questions. So this is what, uh, what it's about. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you. And uh, certainly I learned a lot today as well. We're very grateful for your presence here, Father Patrick. So Many are. blessings to you. Um, and uh, yeah, let's continue to, 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 to walk along as we uh, walk this path of Eucharistic revival. Um, and many, many, many beautiful things to come here. Uh, Father Patrick, uh, can you, uh, uh, you know, you're a Eucharistic preacher. You, I don't know if you have any uh, um, message or something that you want to kind of like, you know, finish us off with um, here in this podcast. You know, I actually, I haven't had the opportunity. I, I am going out in a couple of weeks to talk to the priest of the diocese in Iowa and the, the, the message I, I think that we're all trying to convey to people in our in the church is that uh, I think far more people believe in the real presence of Christ than we, than we might imagine. I think that the, the, you know, I see a lot that those, those surveys out there, then I see tr- problems with it. In the Archdiocese of St. Louis, we just did a survey, 78% of the people here believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. And that's something to celebrate. And I think that when we talk about the Eucharist and, and what it can do <clears throat> for us, we have, to, we have to show what it does for us. So, yes, it's wonderful to, be, to, to take advantage of those opportunities when we receive Eucharist and, and, at, the, at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass and in Eucharistic adoration. But then what are we called to do with that? What, as Christ calls us, you know, at, the end of the, uh, at the end of the Mass, we're called to go out and to, to be the face of Christ to one another. And that's what this Eucharistic revival has to be about as well. That we ha- we're going to break down some of these barriers that exist for people to, that, that have some resistance to, for whatever reason, returning to, to, to the church and receiving God's mercy and being nourished by the body and blood of Jesus Christ and by the word of God and by the community. And when we do all those things, we're going to do extraordinary things. And I think that's the, the, the hope that I see in the Eucharistic revival. Amen, Father Patrick. Amen. Uh, to be, go out and be Christ to one another. That's what it means to be a Eucharistic people. Uh, my brothers and sisters, uh, this is all the time we have here for this time on the Revive podcast. I want to thank you, Father Patrick Baikalkas, because this is, uh, this is uh, so important. And uh, thank you for, for coming on to this, this podcast and being with us here. Solange, this is all the time we have here for us today. Yes, We're ready to do this again when, when we are called. Well, thank you very much. Uh, please come in and tune in next time for our Revive podcast. I'm your host, Father Augustino Torres. And Solange. God bless you. Peace be with you. This has been a production of OSV Podcasts. To learn more, visit osvpodcasts.com.